Hey everybody, thank you for listening this week as we dive into a series that we're calling The Wilderness, A Journey to Obedience, where our prayer is that you would learn God's plan for your obedience and that this will result in a transformed life that would call people to Jesus. Are you ready? Let's lean in. We got my son one at the time, and three out of four had of my pillow. And then finally, one Christmas, I said, I'm going to get her my pillow. And I got her my pillow, and now she's like, it's the best night's sleep in the whole wide world. And you know, that's, that's the thing. I, was, I loved my pillow. I mean, it was, it was truly amazing. And I told everybody about it. I told everybody how it was the best pillow in the world. I told everybody how it would be the best night's sleep. It would change your life. We even have too many my pillows. <laughs> and it's, it's like I was telling everybody, I even told them about the guarantee. There's a 10-year guarantee on this pillow that it guarantees that your pillow will last 10 whole years. I love the fact that they stood behind their product. And the very definition of a guarantee is a promise or assurance that certain conditions will be fulfilled. You know, if we think about it, what is what is truly guaranteed in life? We all have needs. We have physical needs. You know, we got to keep our our bodies in decent shape. We have to we have to eat the right things, but but there's really no guarantee we're going to have good health, right? We're not in control of that. And then we have emotional needs. It's 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 not a promise to you that every day you're going to wake up and and just feel great and be ready to conquer the world. In fact, most of the time it's the very opposite. Most of the time we wake up and we have, to, we have to control those thoughts in our minds. As 1 Corinthians 10.5 says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And take every thought captive to obey, to obedience. We have to take those thoughts that come into our mind and we have to take them captive in order to be obedient to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, all of our needs can be classified as spiritual needs to a certain degree. You know, God is God is in complete control. God is in complete control of your life. He is in complete control of my life. Although we don't control God. We can't make him do anything in our life. Yes, we have the, the power to approach the throne of God with boldness. But at the end of the day, God is sovereign. He's going to do as he wishes what's best for our life. And we can trust that because our God is good. We live in a simple world. And every day we have to deal with sin. We even have to deal with our own personal sin, our struggles, even as believers with sin that we struggle with. And we have to stand on the promise that His grace is sufficient. 
And we look forward to that day where we don't have to deal with sin any longer. And we see Jesus face to face. We also have to deal with the fact that we're mortal. As human beings, we have an expiration date. We have to deal with the loss of loved ones who, have, who leave us. And we have to deal with that emotional grief. But we also have to face the fact that, that we're moral human beings and that we are going to face death. And there's no guarantee when that time is, is going to come. But there is another reality. That the curse of hell can never take place against the blessings of heaven. The curse of hell can never take place against the blessings of heaven. You see, as we approach Numbers 23, we discover one thing in life that is guaranteed. And that's God's divine promises. Which is the main point of our passage this morning. That God's divine promises are 100% guaranteed. God's divine promises are 100% guaranteed. Will you pray with me asking God to bless his word this morning? Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your presence here this morning. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that is in our midst. And Father, we just pray like right now that your spirit would move across this place, Lord, through the power of your word that can change a life for all eternity. Lord, we just ask you right now to do as you wish. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, we're in Numbers 23. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn there and, and I'll... I'm going to draw our attention to certain verses in this, in this chapter, but a lot of the time this morning, I'm going to be paraphrasing what's going on and then draw our attention back to certain verses and, and what they mean. But So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Numbers 23. And, and we know the book of Numbers is written by Moses, and, and we're in the middle of three chapters about Balak and Balaam. Now, this could be argued. That these three chapters, these are just perplexing portions of the Old Testament. I mean, Balaam feared the one true God, but he worshipped gold. And then we have Balak here, and he's a king of Moab, and it's, he's having emotional issues. He is, he is stressed out. His neighboring cities have, have fallen and, and now he's worried about Israel, that Israel would make a similar conquest on his city. So he is very tapped out. And we just saw last week that God used a donkey. He used a donkey talking to save Balaam's life. Now there's a saying that I like to use. that, And it says, fake it till you make it. Right? Fake it till you make it. Now, now Balaam was greedy. He was very greedy. But I have to wonder if he really thought that he could change God's mind. 
Did he really think that he could change the mind of an almighty God? We assume that Balaam thought he was in complete control. He thought he, he was... He may have been faking it, but he was, he was faking it in such a way that he was acting as if he could change the mind of God. In verses 1 through 6, he tells the king to build seven altars to the Lord. With a bull and a ram on each of these altars. And then he says that he's going to go and, and speak to the Lord on Balak's behalf. He was faking it until he made it. And, you know, my mom used to say, don't put words in my mouth. Your mom ever told you that? You're trying to get some by with something, and, and she would say, don't put words in my mouth. What she meant by that was, don't, don't say something that I truly didn't say. And, and Balaam was going, and he was acting as if he could change this. And we're going to see that he's, he, is, he actually was making up. Balaam was not making up words to Balaam's credit. He actually met with God. And God actually put his words on Balaam's lips to then go and tell Balaam what God has said. So in some ways, we do see from Balaam's standpoint an, an obedience. He was obedient to God. He went, met with God, and then he returned to Balak and the high officials of Moab, ready to deliver the words of God. So who was in complete control of this situation? In my mind, my simplistic mind, this encounter with Balaam and God was most likely quick. You know, oftentimes to our mortal minds, things occur to us. Has anything ever occurred to you? Probably this last week, this morning, something occurred to you. Like a light bulb went off. But you see, this is not the case with our Heavenly Father. Nothing occurs to God. Nothing occurs to God and, and when he speaks, it's done. When he makes a promise, it's a promise you can get on board with because it's going to happen. Let's remember what Balak was asking of Balaam. And verse 7 reminds us. It says, from Aaron, Balak has brought me the king of Moab from the eastern mountains. Come to curse Jacob for me and come denounce Israel. Balaam, uh, Balaam wanted Balaam to curse Jacob, to denounce Israel for his own sake. So Balaam here has, has met with God and he is about to deliver the word of God back to Balak. This is the climax of of scene one of this chapter. What did God say to Balaam to take to Balak? Well, we see, he says, how can I curse God? How can I curse who God has not cursed? 
God has not cursed Israel. How can I curse them? How can I denounce who the Lord has not denounced? You see, there was no decision to be made by God. The Israelites have been set apart for God's glory. What does it look like to be set apart for God's glory? Well, verse 10 reminds us of what it looks like. God says to Balak through Balaam, who can count the dust of Jacob or number the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the upright and let my end be like this. You see, Balaam had some encounter with God to where he realized he was in the presence of the Almighty and what God was saying to him was truth. You see, this morning we're in the presence of the Almighty. And God's word is truth. And as we're, as we're reading and we're, we're studying and we're learning God's word, keep in mind that the very words of God are speaking to us this morning. And Israel was set apart for God's glory. You know, it's hard to believe that Amanda and I have been married 24 years. Like, wow, where did, where did time go? And we got married on April 18th of 1998. And then um, 456 days later, 456 days later, our first offspring came. <laughs> Five years after that, God blessed us with another offspring, and this time it was a girl. And then she said we were done. <clears throat> Within seven years of marriage, we had already multiplied. If you're like me and slow in math, that's two times two equals four. We started with two, and now we're at four. Within seven years. Anyhow, what did God mean by the dust of Jacob? Well, he was speaking of the reproduction process that God uses for his glory. To see this, we must go back to Genesis chapter 13, verse 16, where God says to Abraham, I will make your descendants as numerous as the dust of the earth, where if people could count the grains of dust, of the earth, then your descendants could also be measured. You see, God works through reproduction. God desires for his people to reproduce. The Bible speaks of Abraham's offspring in four different ways. And this morning, we're going to look at those four different ways. The first is in a natural way. And we know that Abraham uh, had children. He had children naturally. He had Ishmael and the sons of uh, Keturah and were Abraham's offspring. Now we also, uh, he had Isaac. And all of these, all of these offsprings came from the natural way, right? Procreation. And Isaac was, the natural off, uh, Isaac was a natural offspring of Abraham, but he was also significant. Why was Isaac Significant. Well, Isaac came through the divine promise, 
and was the divine gift of God. From this promise eventually came Jacob, Isaac's offspring. And this was the second seed of Abraham. You see, it's a, it's a, nat it's a national seed. This is Isaac and the family that comes through Jacob. It's, it's natural, but yet it's special. The second promise of Abraham, Isaac and his family. Okay, let's recap for just a minute. Isaac was a gift from God. That's very important to remember. Isaac was not just through procreation, but through the promise of God, as Galatians 4 tells us. The second seed relates to the ethnic people, the Jews, the Israelites. The second seed of Abraham. It is the physical offspring, but in addition, it's an elect people, the Israelites. This is the reason that Balaam could not curse Israel. Because God had went into a covenant with Abraham. And there was no way this covenant was going to be broken. This is why he could not reverse the blessing. You see, in our life, God's promises are yes and amen. The promise that is upon our life as believers, his promises will take place in our life. And it doesn't matter how things look around us. It doesn't even matter what our eyes see. In fact, that's what faith is. Faith is what we do not see. God's blessings upon our life are yes and amen. So the Israelites were a blessed people. They were to be obedient to God and in return bring Him glory. They had God's law and they were to follow it. They, they had God's promises. And they could be at peace due to those. And they had God's presence to walk with them. Therefore, they had no reason to fear. They were a nation from which the third seed would come. Galatians 3.16 states, now the promises of Abraham were made to Abraham and to his offspring. Paul doesn't stop here. He continues to say, it does not say, Paul says this, it does not say offsprings referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, who is Christ. So who is Abraham's third offspring? Well, it came from the second offspring. It came through Israel, right? It came through Israel, and who came through Israel was Jesus. Verse 10 is referring to the seeds of Abraham. Israel was a blessed people. Israel's blessing was unknown to Balak and Balaam, but not to God. In reading verses 11 through 12, I, I picture Balak hearing the response for Balaam and and his mouth just dropping wide open. Kind of like this. I mean, you got to think that he said to Balak in verse 11 and 12, he says, and Balak said to him, what have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies 
And you have done nothing but bless them. You know, Balak probably felt like he had been stabbed in the back. Or about to be stabbed in the back. You ever thought about that saying? I mean, if somebody's going to stab you, that's not a bad place to be stabbed, right? But when somebody does you wrong, we say, man, you stabbed me in the back. Better than the heart, right? But I'm sure that Balaam thought that Balaam was stabbing him in the back. He thought he was crumbling like a pie in the middle of the field. So what does Balaam do? You remember in elementary school, I think all teachers think alike. Do you remember in elementary school what would happen every so often? The teacher would not let the students get too comfortable. And the good teachers would come in early in the morning and they would say, okay, everybody stand up. Get your stuff out of your desk and stand up. I'm rearranging the seating chart. Now this could be good or bad. This could be good or bad, because you never know who you're going to sit beside. But the teachers knew exactly what they were doing, didn't they? Because they knew their students, they didn't want their students to get too comfortable. And this is the same thing that Balak is trying, the same strategy with Balaam. He says, let's try this again, Balaam, at a different location. And at this location, Balak could see a fraction of the Israelites. He takes Balaam to the top of Pisgah. The same process happens. And we're going to even see two of this chapter. But the same process happens. They build seven altars. A, a bull and a ram on each one. And Balaam the prophet goes and, and meets with God Almighty. It's interesting to me that this time Balaam actually asked Balaam in verses 17 what the Lord had spoken. Never underestimate what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life that other people see. He asked him what the Lord has spoken. And Balaam then tells Balaam to rise and he speaks the discourse number two. And this time stating that God's mind could not be changed. Breaking the covenant would be God going back on his promises. If he did this, that would mean God would be a liar. And we know that God is the very definition of truth. He cannot lie. Balaam states this truth that God is, cannot lie. He cannot go against his promise. He says that Israel is like a wild ox. And this wild ox illustrates a unicorn-like creature, a creature of strength because God was on their side. Then look at verse 24. It says, Behold a people like a lioness. It rises up as a lion. It lifts itself. It does not lie down until it has devoured its prey and drunk the blood of the slain. 
Now he was talking about Israel, how strong they were and the promise of God that was on Israel. God had declared the end from the beginning. The status of Israel always was dependent upon their personal response to the promised Messiah. This brings us to the fourth seed of Abraham. And the fourth seed of Abraham is the nations. The fourth seed of Abraham is the nations. Now, the third seed is Jesus. And we know the promise that was made to Abraham, to Jacob, that they would have many, many descendants. And through those descendants would come Jesus Christ. The third seed, we must stop. Because the fourth seed could not happen unless the third seed took place. And the third seed is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, that's the good news that Jesus was promised. The Messiah was promised, was prophesied from the Old Testament. And then finally, Mary, God, the angel appeared to Mary and said, you're going to be with child. Virgin born. She brought forth baby Jesus in Bethlehem. He left the splendor of heaven, the third seed, and he came to this earth to live amongst sin. I love the life of Jesus because he was always work, uh, reaching out to those who were hurting. We were just talking about on the way to church this morning. We, we were talking about how Jesus always went to the ones who were dealing with sin. Because he was the answer to sin. And he lived a sinless life, and at age 33, he went to a cross, and he shed his blood. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And Jesus shed his blood, and, and they thought it was over. The, the Roman people, that they thought it was over. They thought they had killed him. They put him in a tomb. But on the third day, our Jesus rose again. You see, this morning as believers, we're not looking for victory. We stand in victory. Yeah. This morning, we stand in the victory that our, the tomb of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is empty. Galatians 3, 26 through 29 says this. Listen to Paul's words. For in Christ Jesus... You are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male or female. For you are all in Christ Jesus. You see this morning. If you're in Christ Jesus. You are Abraham's offspring. Because the fourth seed of, all, of Abraham 
nations. That's who we are. We're, we're the Gentiles, right, that came in to a relationship with Jesus Christ. God promised Abraham blessing to all nations. And this is where we are today. this morning if you're in Christ it means that you have received a free gift of salvation and, and that free gift of salvation is for all those who would believe if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Christ this morning is the time to come before holy God admitting you're a sinner believing that Jesus was God shed his blood for our sins and rose the third day. And then it's following Jesus Christ in obedience. Every day saying, Lord, I'm a sinful man, but I'm yours. Take my life and use it. Balak was a desperate leader and a slow learner. We see as this chapter ends. With ignorance. Because next week we'll see that in chapter 24, Balaam is taking Balak to another location in hopes of changing the mind of God. Such a waste of time. You see, we have God's word, therefore we have his promises. That we can stand on in times of physical and emotional pain. We also, just as the Israelites did, we have His presence. And for us believers, His presence is the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, that guides us, directs us according to God's perfect will for our lives. Now I'm amazed in Romans it talks about how the Spirit is constantly interceding for those who are in Christ. The Holy Spirit's constantly interceding for you today. Who is He interceding to? The Holy Spirit's interceding to Jesus. There's not a time, a second, a minute that the Holy Spirit's not praying for you. And then Jesus is carrying out this plan, this promise upon our life that fits perfectly into God's perfect will for our lives. One way we can be obedient to God and bring Him glory is through spiritually reproducing. How do we spiritually reproduce? We share the good news of the gospel to those around. This morning, it is good news. Due to the fourth promise of Abraham, we can follow Jesus as Lord. You see, this morning, if you're His, your name is written on the palm of His hand. He loves you, and if you're His, you're secure in Him. 
No matter what life throws your way, nobody can ever kill your body because to kill this fleshly body is to be present with my Jesus for all eternity. Yeah. You see, my pillow, quotation marks, my pillow has brought me great sleep. My pillow is very much down the list of a blessing it brought me, but it's very much on the very, my very down, way down on my list compared to the blessings that my Savior, Jesus Christ, brings me. You see, Jesus Christ, if you are in Christ, you can rest on the fact that God's promises are 100% guaranteed. Jesus, the new covenant, we are under the new covenant, we are under the gospel. Let us rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and constant in prayer. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, we love you. We just thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises, Lord. And Father, I just pray that you continue to work in this place. Lord, touch lives. I pray that there's one here this morning that has not come into your promise has not received you as the Lord of their life. Father, I pray that today would be the day. And Father, I pray for the ones this morning that are believers. Father, help us to walk in your joy. Help us to walk in your presence. Father, help us to be obedient to your word so that we can complete the purpose you have for our lives. Thank you for your word. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening this week. To learn more about ID Clifton, including our gathering times, small groups, and upcoming events, check out our website at idclifton.com. Again, thank you for listening to the ID Clifton podcast. And remember, love God and love others. See you next week.